Well, hello and welcome to the New Ground Life and Leadership Podcast, here to help you thrive as a follower of Jesus wherever you are and in whatever you're going through. I'm your host, Jez Field. And welcome to today's conversation featuring Kieran Dunn, an evangelist and former representative for Alpha International, who's now the associate pastor at the King's Church Mid-Sussex. Kieran is an incredibly encouraging and very funny man. He's also a fantastic storyteller. And there's so much in today's conversation that I think you'll enjoy, particularly some of the advice he offers as an evangelist on how to relate to people, whilst also looking for ways to share God's heart with them. Honestly, today is going to encourage you, I guess guarantee it and it's one of those episodes that keep listening because it gets better and better as it goes on remember if you're a fan of the podcast please don't forget to share it with others where you can and hit the like and subscribe button to be kept up to date with all episodes as and when they come out well it's now over to my conversation with kieran that began with the question what is one of the most significant lessons you've learned about yourself or leadership in the past six months enjoy I think probably the thing that I've just been reminded of fresh is that God hasn't changed because through all my, you know, my insecurities and my, you know, saying, God, why not did you ask me to be a church leader? Surely he's got to be better people than this. You know, all the kind of internal wrestles that I have, the, you know, there's been that just that reassuring sense of yeah god you're the same you're faithful you never let me down even when i don't feel you you're nearby all those kind of promises and truths but then beyond that uh yeah it is because um we've been we've been uh running alphas online and just watching people leap into the kingdom has been just a joy. So, uh, and, and very life-giving. And I'm really hoping that you might think, well, that's all very nice for you, Kieran. But we haven't seen that. But in some ways, I'm hoping that, you know, I, I know when I hear inspiring things that are achievable for people, not things like, you know, that are out there that I think, well, I could never do that. I'm hoping it will be inspirational. Mm. And well, and I think that's always something that I appreciate about you, that you are inspiring in the sense that you make people think, I can do that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting, you talk about, you know, responses of people to Alpha, the Alpha course, because yeah. I've heard similarly from uh, on a video I watched of Nikki Gumbel talking about, you know, the success or the the response that they've seen at HTB for Alpha. Um have you you've seen similar? Have you locally? It seems from some of the things you're saying. Yeah, yeah. So we we were actually kind of coming towards the end of an in-person alpha when the first lockdown happened, and I heard that there was this option to do alpha on Zoom. Um, Got to be honest, hadn't really used Zoom much before that. No um, one had. <laughs> <laughs> I, I put it out to our existing alpha guests who wants to continue online, and none of them did. <laughs> which wasn't a great start. Um, actually, one, one lady did. So we just kind of tentatively dipped, dipped our, our toes into the water with Zoom. I'm aware that um, lots of people uh, through their, their jobs uh, spend a lot of time on online conferencing, Zoom and other, other platforms. And the phrase Zoom fatigue is certainly, you know, it's in our vocabulary now, isn't it? Um, what, what's fascinating is that my observation is that even people that fall into that category professionally who are on you know, business meetings all day, they've said, no, no, this is different. When we do uh, Zoom on Alpha, it feels completely different, which is, which is mm. amazing. So we start off with, with one online Alpha Zoom. It was just bonkersly good. And at one point, I was running three Alphas a week on, on Zoom. Uh, and I'm just kind of praying, God, if somebody comes, we're going to start another one. Uh, you know, I believe if I've got one, I'll just pray for another person. And um, none of the guests on these four or five alphas we've done have uh, ever physically been to our church to a service. Uh, they've all engaged with our online church services and have come and done alpha as a result. Um the interesting thing is that I think nearly all of the guests, now I'm not talking hundreds of people, but all of the guests have said they wouldn't have done Alpha 
if it wasn't for the current pandemic. Uh, and, and they would only have done it because it's online. They wouldn't have turned up at our building or at another venue. Uh, they've only come because of that. So that's really interesting, isn't it? What an opportunity that we've got. Yeah. Amazing. And I think what the guys at Alpha have produced with the the, the films that series that you can watch means mm. that using Zoom, you can run Alpha with two or three people. Oh, absolutely. Very yeah. naturally over Zoom now, which just makes it, you know, an easy an easy entry point for a friendship as well. Yes, who, who, a friendship like you might have a friend that you like talking to about faith. And it's a very natural thing to say, hey, let's watch a video together over Zoom and then talk about what you think. Really and we've seen a couple of people doing that, which is, yeah, yeah really exciting. Alpha is a fantastic tool we've got the other sort of interesting i think you're spot on um there seems to be uh people because they're in their own homes jez they're really relaxed so um there isn't that sort of tension i I think also people think you know what if i don't like it i can just unplug the internet you know (laughs) i can just lock off there isn't that awkward i'm in a building i'm not sure quite you know whether i like Mm. it or not so Mm. um yeah Kieran, let's uh, stay with that a second. I want to just kind of get to know you a bit more and understand your journey with Alpha and and becoming a Christian in general. When did did Alpha or when did you get a sense that people use this word evangelist, you know, you discovering a call to be an evangelist and people have perhaps different ideas about what that means. When um, When did you first discover a sense of vocational call to be an evangelist yeah. and uh, how did you come to appreciate alpha well um i i became a christian i i used to i worked for many years now um as, as a church leader and evangelist but uh i i used to work in a secular workplace i worked in the city and uh, became a christian uh whilst i worked there i, I really think from early doors jez i just had this desire to um to share with other people what Jesus has done in my life. Uh, and yeah, I wasn't, to be honest with you, I was pretty rubbish at it. You know, <laughs> just trying to articulate what had happened to me. But there was, the way I've described it sometimes, it was almost like, I think Jeremiah said, it's like a fire that shut up in my bones. You know, it's got to come out. And over the years, I've not only, I think, had that desire to, in my own way, just to share something with Jesus. But then also, I think, to try... I've had a heart to encourage people, look, hey, you could do that as well. And I think that when we think about evangelists, one one part of it is proclaiming. So I get the opportunity to speak at events and speak to non-Christians in a public setting. Uh, uh, I've been... Often non-Christians say to me, hey, you're like a stand-up comic. They're not expecting... I think they're expecting somebody in the God Squad to be a little bit crusty or whatever but um <laughs> I, I do that kind of public thing but then also part of the role of evangelists it says in ephesians is that you know to equip god's people to do that it's not about one person doing it but it's helping others to do it and i think i've realized personally i love to try and make jesus known in my own faltering way there's a public kind of bit that I do, but then there's also another bit of trying to equip and help others on the journey as well. I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm a natural evangelist. Uh, through some brilliant people and resources, I've learned some just some really helpful... So I, I suppose people have given me tools, Jez, that I thought, wow, that, that's really helped me. And therefore, I, I feel, you know, what I've learned, I would love to kind of pass on. So I, you know, I, I've said this on the impact training. Back in the day, because I've been at this for a while, we used to do like open air evangelism, we call it. You know, Mike Springer, amazing evangelist, love him to pieces, used to coach us and train us. And, and we'd go out on the streets. Typically, probably sounds a bit archaic now, but typically a Christian with a guitar, rainbow straps, perhaps sandals with socks, uh, we would go out on the streets, sing choruses and stuff, and try and share Jesus with people. Well, I, I was leading our church, this is a few years ago now, many years ago. Uh, I'm the evangelist on staff. Uh, got a team of people about to go out. It's pouring with rain. Everybody's like crying out to God, God, please let the rain stop so we can go out. 
I'm praying, God, please let it keep raining. I just don't want to go. <laughs> I'm being honest because I and the encouraging bit I think comes because I realise how not every form of evangelism is for everybody. Um, and I've realised actually that, well, if I'm leading the jolly thing and I have a sense of reluctance sometimes, and yet it's combined with faith and believing God's going to reach people and save people, and there's always a battle in, in sharing our faith, so I'm aware of that as well. But I think, well, in some ways, I feel I can relate with the just most Christians who would say, well, I don't think evangelism is quite my thing. I don't feel necessarily confident or comfortable in it. So there's lots of people that are more competent and much more comfortable than me. And if that's you, fantastic. I want to learn from you uh, if you're listening to this. Um, but yeah, so I think if I can encourage people by saying, look, do you know what? I, I don't always find this easy, but, but hey, we can, we can walk with God and it's an adventure, you know, so yeah. Does that make sense? I don't know if that is. Yeah, it's really helpful. But I mean, you touched on you touched on the idea of the of different forms of evangelism, yeah. and I think for for so many people, when they hear the word evangelism, they instantly feel heavy, <laughs> instantly feel burdened yeah. and guilty, and they think of salesmen trying to peddle a product, yeah. and we're all fed up with salesmen in a society like this. Yeah. Um, so what are different forms of evangelism? How have you been set free from thinking evangelism must be this loud and proud proclamation and it must include these points and you must describe the fires of hell in great detail or else you haven't properly done evangelism? Um, that sounds very different from the sort of thing you're saying. So how have you been set free from that way of thinking? And uh, what would you say to people who are still kind of wrestling with that? Um, wow, that's a great question, Jess. Um, I think I've become happy in my own skin. And I, you know, if you're listening to this today, Jesus just loves you. God loves you. Uh, Jez, God loves you. You know, you're the person I'm actually in front of. Maybe it's just you. Maybe it's just you and me. There's no listeners. But, uh, <laughs> um, you know, he, he just loves, it. you know, if you're listening to this, you know, Christian today, you're God's favourite. He just thinks you're amazing. And I think the more I've realised that, that God really likes me the way I am, with all my quirks and foibles and weirdness, I am one of the weirdest people I've ever met, um, and become happy in my own skin, I, I've become more and more conscious. Do you know what? God is pleased to use me the way I am without me having to try and become like somebody else. Now, that's really releasing because, um, uh, sorry, and let's clarify, I've learned so much from other people. And, you know, there's things that other people have done. I thought, wow, I think I could take that and adapt it and make it my own. Uh, but I think that, that that's that's a really key thing, Jez, that mm. just be, just know that God love, loves you and you can be happy in your own skin. And there's a whole thing about our identity and everything, which we probably haven't got time to go into now. But God really does think the world of you. And actually, you can have an adventure and have fun. So I found actually, interestingly, most of my evangelism has actually, it's been quite funny. And you know, Jez, I've shared some of the stories with you. And I love, I love laughter and I love fun. And I've, I've realised that there's a huge, um, hugely serious side to people's eternities, and I'm not playing that down. But I've also realised that people loved hanging around with Jesus, and sinners loved hanging around, hanging around with Jesus. And I, I kind of feel like he must have been sort of, it wasn't just, a t do you know what I mean? There must have been something about him that was attractive. And I'm seeking, if I can, to make Jesus attractive through through, through me. Mm, that's good. I mean, we get the language of hell and the descriptors of hell mm. that is often part of the, the intense gospel pitch that we hear in you know a lot of modern circles when we think about evangelism. We get that language from Jesus himself. And yet you're right, the, the type of people that that chose to be around him 
Um, those weren't the kind of people necessarily that would have thrived and been drawn to really serious, intense, uptight, driven people. Um, and mm. Jesus certainly, you know, for him to say, come to me or you are heavy burdened, uh, he doesn't say because I will give you an intensity to your life that will crush the life out of you and I will drive you into the ground until you have s- preached the gospel to as many people as you humanly can. And yet we've put that pressure on ourselves because sometimes out of a good heart, I desperately want to rescue people from the fires of hell. But sometimes out of a guilty place, my pastor tells me I must save people from the fires of hell. Um, yeah. and, and and I think I hear what you're saying, but what, what again strikes me about you is uh, just an authenticity in being yourself. Uh, have you always, have you always been like that? Have you always been someone who's kind of, I guess, tried to resist other people's attempts to put you in a particular box and mold and just embrace who you are? What's the journey that you've gone, I suppose, is my question to, to appreciating and living in your own, living in a comfort of your own skin. Yeah. I think it has been a journey, Jess, I'm being honest. So, um, I, I come from a slightly, well, a, a difficult family background and, you know, some domestic violence growing up. Um, and that really affected uh, me, it refre- affected, you know, and, you know, there's people listening that could say, yeah, that's that's my story. It made me insecure. And as a result, uh, even when I became a church leader and was working for the church, I felt um, I needed to achieve in order to be accepted. And uh, I was inspired by others, but then also I I compare myself with other people and either the conclusion would be I'm not as good as them. Uh, They've seen more people say they've got more people on their alpha courses. Um, So I I would feel, you know, a sense of inferiority or flip side is I swing towards pride and I think wow you know I'm doing well I'm better than them uh and and I think by realizing just God's love and acceptance um yeah and and turning away from that that that's that's been the one of the big changes the other big change I think I've realized is that because Okay, so if that if that's if that's true, if God is happy with me and you, Jess, if He thinks you're the best, which He does, uh, you're simply the best, better than all the rest. <laughs> Tina Turner makes an entrance into the New Ground podcast for the first time. Um, yeah, because because that's the kind of foundation I've realised. You know, well, if if God has said that he, He's happy to, you know partner with us we can be his ambassadors well my, my one of my favorite verses in the bible is salvation belongs to our god in revelation seven ten. salvation belongs to our god it doesn't belong to kieran dunn what a relief that is or to jez field or to insert your name here it belongs to god so that means that in spite of any shortcomings i might have god's just happy to rescue people and that takes the intensity out of it. There's an urgency, but the intensity comes out of it because it's not all down to my efforts. Mm. I do hear that. And I, feel, I find that as a, as a relief and as something that does release some of that pressure. My, my mind immediately goes to salvation belongs to, to, to our God. Well, he still needs you and me or requires, asks, say need. Well, maybe I've revealed some Freudian um, subconscious belief there, but he doesn't need you and me. He he still requires and requests and wants to partner with us in our activity. And I kind of, I live in that space. You know, the description you, you gave of yourself pre-becoming secure is like, well, welcome to my skin, <laughs> where I either have to live in a, live in a sense of, comparison itself with you <laughs> and it's a it's an ongoing journey i appreciate that but equally you look around and you think it does not seem a lot of the time as though the lord is busily seeking and saving the lost in the way that i would like him to 
Um, on the one hand, I feel that. And then I meet other people often outside the church, if I'm honest, and I see God at work in their life through the things that they're saying and thinking, oh, he is seeking and saving the lost. It's just not many of them are finding their way to the church. <laughs> what's, what's that about? What's going on there? What are some of your reflections on some of my own insecurities and, um, and wrestlings with those questions? Yeah, join the club. So I, I have loved in the past um, of reading about people like George Whitfield. Okay, one of my heroes. If you don't know about George Whitfield, he was a contemporary of the Wesley brothers in what's known as the Great Awakening in the 18th century. Uh, probably, I, I would think probably one of the greatest evangelists of ever. Um, yeah, so inspired by those stories of massive crowds and multitudes turning to Jesus and there's something in our hearts. You know, um, I... As you know, Jez, I've got a life-size cutout, cardboard cutout of Billy Graham in my office, haven't I? Um, and the photos of him speaking in stadiums, a small kind of like speck with just multitudes. And I think that that just resonates with me. And yet I'm aware, uh, it, it does say, doesn't it, God, uh, you know, do it again in our day, one of the Psalms. Uh, and I'm just reminded of that verse where it talks about the, we're there for Christ's ambassadors. And I think the phrase, again, I haven't got my Bible in front of me. It says, as if God were making his appeal through us. So there is that sense of God's sovereignty, I, I believe in, you know, salvation belongs to our God. But there is that as if God was making his appeal through us. So I just, I don't want to, um, you know, God could... And, and I think will, you know, we could move back to those days of mass crowds and it's hard to imagine even in the COVID situation we're in. Uh, so this last week, I got a letter from the lovely, from Alpha Towers, Alpha HQ. Uh, I got a letter from them saying 300,000 people have done Alpha Online since March. Wow. Well, you just don't have to dip into church history too long to look at something like the Welsh Revival, I think it was 100,000 people turned to Christ. Well, let's, okay, conservative estimate, 300,000 people have done Alpha Online. Let's say 10% of those people turn to Jesus. Now, I think it's more than that, even by the courses we've run. Mm. Let's say 10%. Well, that's 30,000. Wow. So, you know, when you, so I don't know, I don't want to kind of rule out the, the thing that has been in my heart for years, actually, and yet at the same time, I'm just constantly thinking, God, you're just at work in a sort of underground way. So Tear Fund did some amazing, you probably know this, Jess, did some amazing research, uh, like looking at uh, different demographics, 18 to 24-year-olds. I think it was something like, you might know this, was it 50% of 18 to 24-year-olds had gone tried church online during the, I don't the know, first no, I don't know that. Um, Forgive me if I've got that stat wrong, but if you if you Google it, you'll be able to find out the exact figures. And it's this kind of almost like hiddenness because like you, I go out now on the streets and it seems like nobody seems to be interested. And yet you just scratch below the surface and you think, wow, mm. God's just doing stuff. Mm-hmm. So wow. is that helpful to you? Yeah, yeah, and you hear, I mean, you hear you know, a stat like that from Alpha HQ and mm. as you as you did really could put it alongside the Welsh revival. Mm. And we're talking staggering numbers of people who are being influenced and affected by the church in this country in a positive way, being drawn towards the gospel. And yet I, I also, as, as you were speaking, I was reflecting that I think part of the issue is our obsession with trying to make it about me and my patch, me and my church, rather than taking a broader perspective and thinking, Wow, the field of God in this country or in the Western world is the being... The field of God. Can we call it the jazz field of God? No, no, my point is the opposite. Like jazz field, <laughs> jazz, jazz field's field of God may be pretty barren, but the field of God and what God's actually doing is is very fruitful and seeing a lot of harvest. And I, you know, I've heard Pete Gregg talk on this before and the way that he throws out stats and insights into what God's doing globally to help lift our heads because you're right we're so used to just walking out of our front door and thinking oh I can't see God at work and it may be a we're not looking for the right things but it may also be we're too focused on ourselves and our own little worlds and our own little lives instead of lifting our head to realize like you just did with that, that stat from Alpha God is at work in a huge way in this country 
And I think part of our challenge is, is like Jesus did at the pool of Siloam. My, my father is working until now and I'm working. You know, yeah. he's always looking to see what his father's doing is how we as Christians can see what God's doing. Live with our eyes open to what God's doing in, in, in our vicinities and cultivate meaningful relationships with people outside the church. So then get close enough to us as Christians to see or to smell the aroma of Christ. Yes. <laughs> you see, I, I want to take issue with you, Jez. All right. right. Is a is a I think you are more fruitful than you realize. <laughs> and you you know, you fessed up and said, Oh, the field of jazz is just so barren. <laughs> Maybe it's just so you know, there's a principle in the Bible that we all know about called sowing and reaping. And you know, in Mark 4, it says that you know, farm went out to sow seed. Uh, he sows the seed. It's an act of faith, actually. He's you know this, you know this parable. Sowing the seed, and then I love what Jesus actually says. It says, night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, it's growing. Now, initially, you know, we're not farmers, but, you know, you chuck a bit of grass seed out if you've got lucky enough to have a garden. You know, you can go out, there's not much happening, but night and day, there's, you know. So, uh, I, yeah, there's more going on than we realise. Let me illustrate it. Okay, um, one of the online alphas, that, that we've been running uh, had a guest um, actually she she uh, dialed in from Chester okay uh, the reason she dialed in from Chester is uh, because that's where she's from and her dad had, uh, died of COVID and she was up there uh, for the funeral but she's a midwife she works with a lady in our church who has been just I mean she's a lovely lady Rachel uh, they work together um, hospital in, in Surrey. Uh, and, um, you know, Rachel isn't like preaching all the time. She's just being who she is. She, You said, you know, we are the aroma of Christ. And anyway, this this lovely lady, um, Lisa, she uh, heard, heard about Alpha. Rachel told her about that. She came online. And obviously it's a very difficult time for her. Long story short, Jesus has radically met with her. Her life has been transformed. Um, she uh, can't stop really telling people about. They say, "What has happened to you?" They, you know, people say, "What is what?" Like, tell me. Right the way through the journey of Alpha, she's sharing with her her colleagues. Well, long story short, she's emailing me saying. You wouldn't be able to help me to start an alpha for midwives, would you, in the hospital? Wow. Um, she said, I haven't advertised it yet, but I, I think there'd be some interest. Well, she emailed me yesterday saying, look, I haven't started asking people yet, but seven people have said they want to do it. Wow. She, I haven't even given her the posters to put up in the staff room. <laughs> so she, she's like, you know, like, this is great, isn't it? She said, would you mind helping me? Yeah. <laughs> I don't mean, yeah, I would mind. I mean, yeah, I want to help, you know. Or, you know, an, another one of the alphas online, one of one of the guests there, uh, lovely lady Karen, she um, she was filled with the Holy Spirit um, whilst, you know, she's a businesswoman. She was out uh, work, driving, filled with the Holy Spirit. We watched the Holy Spirit talks, the alphabet Holy Spirit, and she said, oh, that's what it was then. <laughs> Wow. transformed she's now joined because she wasn't locally that she's now joined a new frontiers church plant they've never run out from line she's running it with them for them wow. brand new believer wow. now she came to know about this because a guy in our church another business guy worked with her uh she was she employed him as consultant um he just the aroma of christ uh she was initially she said she didn't like him, didn't want him to join the company. They're now firm friends, her and her husband. Um, so she did Alpha. And the next Alpha online we did, her husband did it. And now they're both plugged into this church plant. Mm. Wow. Now, these are, I'm just scratching the surface, Jez, of, mm. I don't even know what the question was. I think we were talking about the fruitfulness thing. There's a seed sowing. So both... Steve, the guy who's a business guy, he's just living as a Christian in the workplace. Rachel, midwife, she's worked with this lady for years, just living as a Christian in, in, in the workplace. 
there's opportunity to talk about faith just doing it in a very natural way. And you can see how just the adventure of walking with Jesus and the opportunities that can come. Mm. Oh, you pressed a button. Sorry, I'm, I'm going on. That's so good. It's really helpful. And I think it's a really helpful um, example, really, of how stories and being reminded of what God's doing around us lifts our head. Because you're right. It makes you think, oh, God is at work. He can use me. He could use me. I will open my eyes again. And, and I think as Christians, we probably live, you know, between that dynamic of having our eyes wide open to what God might be doing, brimming with possibility and then falling back into, ah. Oh, discouragement and despondency and I think people like you are so vital for helping open people's eyes and go see here's at work all around you and tell us some more stories Kieran story time with Kieran again I'm just trying to think of what, what's helpful because um and, and just I want to re- reiterate uh, Jez you can see me other people can't I've got a face for radio okay if you don't. <laughs> let's just put it that way they didn't film me and there's a reason for it <laughs> Although you can watch this on YouTube. Is that right? Okay. Um, yeah, I need prayer before doing that. Yeah, don't enter into that one lightly is what I'd say. Um, yeah, so I'm just trying to think what, what, what's going to be helpful, helpful for people. You see, I, I mentioned I think it can, you know, walking with, with God can be an adventure. And if you are in that place where you think, do you know what, God, you know who I am, you know I'm shy or... I'm reluctant to speak or, you know, I find maybe, you know, talking to people difficult, whatever it is, you know, that doesn't exclude you from being on an adventure with Jesus. And he will open up opportunities if you ask him uh, that that are a perfect fit for you and are achievable for you. So I've kind of got a bit of a a thing, and I've seen it happen so much, as you know, we've talked a lot about this kind of stuff, where I've just kind of, I just want to be friendly to people because I think a great way of extending the kingdom of God is just to be friendly with people, not in order to somehow manipulate them into becoming a believer, but just because I think God loves people. I'm going to be friendly with people and who knows where God might take that. So what what do I mean by that? Well, uh, we're getting uh, some building work done in our house and uh, our neighbours, a couple of doors down, in fact, all the houses in our, in our road are having building work done. So at the end house, there's nobody there, but the scaffolders putting up scaffolding. So I, I'm on the way back early one morning, I've been out, coming back, it's chucking it down with rain. Rare in Hayward Seath, but it was raining. And I see this guy, like, putting scaffolding up, and I'm thinking, God, it must be soaked and frozen. So I just said to him, I said, excuse me, mate, not not a great day to be doing that. I said, look, I'm just going in the house. Do you want, do you want me to make you a brew, you and your mate, a cup of tea? He goes, oh, yeah, that'd be amazing. You know, it's pretty, it's a bit rank out here. And I said, well, look, I'll, I'll do it in a COVID-sensitive way. You know, I'll wash my hands and that, and I'll bring you out a cup. So I took out a couple of mugs of tea, and he came down. He goes, oh, thanks so much. Gave him the tea. I said, well, that's £2.50. <laughs> no, no, that was a joke. Okay, so... Just to be clear, I didn't actually charge him. That was like a joke. It just wasn't funny. <laughs> I said, that's £2.50, please. And he could tell that I was joking because, you know, my face. And he just absolutely cracked up. And I just, you know, and I and I just said, you know, oh, how's it going? And, you know, we were having a laugh and he was saying about how, you know, builders are complaining about what they've done so they had to come back and builders don't like scaffolders. There's a whole conversation. Now, look, I've got to be honest with you. I didn't sort of then sort of say, well, I'm glad you're talking about building because you need to build your life on the Lord. And with that, produced a Bible from my back pocket and showed him verses. Now, I've got to be honest. Actually, I didn't have a conversation with him about Jesus. But I think, you know, I was good news to him. And the reason I start at that point is because if we can get into the habit of when we go to the checkout, we can just say, hey, you know, how's your day going to the cashier? And that, you know, you enter into a conversation. And I've got into the habit of that. So, you know, it takes a while to form a habit of showing an interest in other people. And you know what? There's value in that. Forget about some words now. There's just value in just showing love to people, and being kind to people. 
But I found that when you do that, um, you can then start to have say, God, give me courage to take another step uh, in leading people towards you. Mm. Do, do, mm. do you know what I mean, Jez, in, in, in that? that mm. I'm, I'm trying to make it really achievable mm. because maybe it'll take a few weeks of just, God, help me to start thinking about. So when, when you go into a shop, rather than being on your mobile phone talking to somebody, think, do you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just save that call and I'm going to be in the moment and talk to, you know, the mm. shop assistant. I think it's really helpful, everything you're saying. And I, I can see that if, yeah, if we're wanting to know what the next step is in evangelism, often people do. They just picture the person on the stage or they picture the, the sales pitch. But if you're not moving forward in the first place, the step forward is to start moving and starting moving looks like, I think, as you you helpfully said there, being interested in other people. God loves the people in front of you. So we ought to cultivate a same interest in them. These are people made in the image and likeness of God for whom Christ died. Um, Something you've said before, I've written down as a quote here. um, So be careful. Uh, Something you've said before is we need to be aware of the strength of the bridge that's being built between you and the person that you speak to. If your friendship is a two-ton friendship, don't send over a gospel lorry of 10 tons. Uh, You say a bit more about that. Yeah, I I think it's... um, Yeah, so weirdly, I think, you know, we talk about friendship evangelism, Jez, as, well, I don't do friendship evangelism, I do servant evangelism, or I don't do friendship evangelism, I do proclamation evangelism, or I do confrontational evangelism, or whatever and yet um in 1 corinthians 9 the apostle paul said you know i've become like you know jews in order to win the jews i've become like non-jews in order to win those that aren't aren't jews those not having the law in order to win those not having the law i've become all things to all people so that i may win some and see some saved so i take from that that uh who we are and how we relate with people is a bridge building thing. Now this, this goes for any relationship. It's, you know, we, I can't remember when it was Jez. We, 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 I think actually it was one Christmas meal, wasn't it? We, we had our first kind of proper conversation and you were showing an interest in me and hopefully I showed an interest in you and and you're building that bridge. And sometimes that bridge construction can be really quick and sometimes it can take a long time. And I'm aware that for some of the contacts I have, um, it maybe takes, it's a process. Oh, oh, you know, that sowed seed, sowed seed sowing uh, illustration Jesus used of night and day, you know, evangelism is often a process. So uh, again, to sort of earth it, um, I mentioned we've got uh, some builders uh, in this whole lockdown phase. We, we, uh, we had a sort of thing on the back of our house that was falling down, and they've been doing some amazing work. They're great guys. Now I, I'm aware they're going to be they're going to be like in my house for they've been there since you know the spring, <laughs> on and off. And in my heart, I'm thinking I'd love them to see something in me and us that reflects Jesus, and I'd love to have uh, you know a conversation with them. So that they, you know, I can't remember how it came up. Now they might have asked, you know, what do you do? Uh, often when people ask, I say, well, I'm in the God Squad. And, you know, and, and the, you know, like, oh, you, you're a vicar. And I say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now often what I'll do, I'll just stop there. It isn't like, I think, right, I'm in. It's now the moment to proclaim the whole gospel message. No, no, no. Because at that point, you know, the two-ton bridge that's there maybe you know a 500 kilo package is all that's needed Uh, but it's interesting as you know you look for those opportunities over these months they've been asking me and quizzing and you know just the other day I was on one of these zoom calls and Adam who's just the nicest builder he um he said to me, he says, really interesting watching because I'm working from home. He goes, 
you're quite executive, aren't you? I like that. <laughs> he said, I imagine being a vicar would just be standing at front of church and sort of waiting for people to turn up to talk to. <laughs> um, now, he's making a comment on, on what I'm doing, but I've been able to just share some of the good news of Jesus and the impact it has on people's lives through some of the social action ministries we're doing and talking to him. And he's saying about, do you know what? My wife is interested in, in faith, but I'm not. And, you know, and it's, you know, it's this whole journey where there's little bits of gospel nuggets going across the bridge. Mm. And they've finished this kind of phase for the moment. We won't see them for a few weeks and they're outside. And I'm saying, guys, thanks so much for all the brilliant work you've been doing. And, you know, we're having banter and all the rest of it. And um, I said, you know, we're so grateful. They said, they said listen, if there's anything, you know, that, that isn't quite right, you know, get back in touch and, and, and we, we can help you out. And I said, well, look, similarly, if you ever need anything, you know where to call. I said, look, if you're thinking I could really do with a Bible verse right now, you know, give me a ring. <laughs> and they're just like cracking up and laughing. I'm serious. There's a, there's a joke to it, but actually there's a seriousness to it because I've often found with those sorts of, you know, I used to work in Glasgow Fruit and Veg Market you know, I got it ripped out of me for being, you know, a Christian. Uh, but actually, in the moment where one of the guys who gave me the hardest time is struggling with his son, he's taking me to one side and just saying, look, can I talk to you about this? Um, and it's those... Yeah, I hope I hope that makes sense. I think it's helpful. I think, and always in my mind is the need to hold on to that verse from Revelation that you shared that salvation belongs mm. to God. Because I, I I hear the wisdom in what you're saying. There's a part of me that probably instinct of fear that's like, no, but there's an urgency. We've got to try to you know crowbar in some gospel. But then I counterbalance that with, but unless people ask, like I'm I'm giving them something they're not asking for or not looking for. But yet you are also very skillful in the way that you are prepared to share the gospel message in a timely way, even when people don't ask. Because my observation is people don't ask for advice generally, let alone about faith. You know, it's very rare that someone would come up to you and say, is there anything I could do to parent my children better? Well, they don't do that. <laughs> is there anything about my life, the way I'm making decisions that isn't going quite my way that you can give me some some tips on? People don't do that. And yet, you know, as Christians, we're going, I've got an answer that I really want to share with people, but no one's asking me any questions. Nobody's asking. <laughs> oh, it's like um, the, per the person with a solution going around looking for a problem. Um, yeah. I, I think one of the things that I've, I've learned from actually the Willow Creek guys, I've learned so much from them. So if you could look up, you know, some of their resources on evangelism. Absolutely brilliant. One of the things uh, that they've said is mention spiritual stuff early. And it's a springboard. So I, I will, uh, I mean, you've heard some of my stories, Jez. I will try and get, so I might, in a throwaway comment, just say, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, we were talking about that at church the other day. Uh, or, you know, yeah, you know, People say, oh, what have you been doing? I said, oh, I was just out on my bike. Do you know, yeah, I'm a Christian, really praying about a situation. I said, look, just to be clear, I've got my eyes open. I don't pray with my eyes closed when I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, something like that. You know, just try and keep it real. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, I'm a Christian, you know, I'm praying about something. Take the intensity out of it, but you're, you're just dropping in. Do you know what? We could talk about this. Hmm. Uh, that's really good. And, I, and my observation has often been that until I've until spirituality is on the table, it's very mm. hard to actually build a meaningful relationship with someone because it's such yeah. a large part of who you and I and Christians are. Unless it's something you can naturally talk about, you haven't actually yeah. got a friendship. You've got an acquaintanceship or you've got a facade or you've got a mask that you're having to wear. Um, one of the things that will often come up, though, is the fear that people have in being asked awkward questions. And in the past, apologetics was, you know, awkward about can you prove the existence of God and things yes. like that. Increasingly, it's, but you Christians are bigots. You don't like X, Y, or Z, whatever the cultural, you know, objection to Christianity is at the time. What would you say to help people? Because, you know, so, so people don't bring up the fact they're a Christian because they're afraid they will think yeah. I'm this or they might say that. And, you know, yeah. what would your encouragement be to people who think those thoughts? Yeah, a couple of things, Jez. I think um, I think fear is always linked with evangelism because we are, it's a spiritual battle. And I think there's always that slight nervousness. Uh, despite what I'm saying about trying to make it natural, 
it's like, oh, you know, the, there is a stepping out, which is a battle. I don't, I, and I think you, you know, you don't need to be aware of that all the time, but having that as a background, you know, this is, this is, you know, this is warfare is, is helpful. Um, I think that, um, yeah, interesting. Well, I've spent a lot of time in the past talking to people from cults about the gospel, and they've got all the answers, and they're all sewn up. Um, but we know a person, not a package. Uh, so I, I'm all about introducing people to a person, and his name is Jesus. And you know, if if you're listening to this and you think, you know, I don't think I know enough or I can't answer people's objections, that's fine, because, you know, you, you know Jesus. Now, there's ways to be equipped, uh, and I would recommend people like the Ravi Zacharias International Ministries, Michael Ramsden, those guys. Unbelievable resources. They're online. A lot of them, the resources are free. Um, and I, I encourage you to, you know, to be equipped. Um, often, when people are asking those sorts of things, they're not going to say this, and I'm not even saying you should you should tackle it. But it's good to understand sometimes. Sometimes what's behind it is, you know, their best friend was killed on a motorbike when they were 22 years old, and they've been saying, "God, why did you let that happen?" Or they they personally maybe have experienced some abuse at the hands of the church, or there's sometimes there's a reason that is unrelated to even what they're arguing against. Mm. And through relationships, sometimes that, you know, that, that comes out. So even sometimes when you've got the answers, so it's not about winning an argument. Sometimes when you've, you've got the answers and you're proving, you know, uh, it's almost not what people want to hear. Mm which is weird mm. because there's people who genuinely want to know answers, but sometimes it's discerning between some of that thing and not actually being afraid to say, do you know what? I've no idea. Mm. I don't know, mm. but I know there's resources. People have looked into it. Mm. Um, you know, you might want to consider the alpha course. That's kind of introduction to this kind of thing or, or, you know, let me come back to you. Um, Mm, that's really that's helpful. There isn't a kind of one size fits all answer with that, Jess, because no, it really depends on the individual, if you know what I mean. I think well, your comment there about um, meeting members of cults and realizing they've got all the answers sewn up is really quite interesting because, mm. you know, uh, we offset that with well, our, our gospel isn't a gospel of we've got everything sewn up in life. We can make sense of absolutely every problem out there. We know it all. You know, no one wants to be friends with a know it all for a start, but that isn't the gospel. The gospel is. Christ has conquered the death, has conquered the grave. Therefore, the thing that you fear most of all, he's taken the sting out of that. You can, mm. you know, you can follow him and trust him. That's the yeah. gospel message is that he's Lord of the world. Um, not, you know, these opinions are right. And often we, we fall into that trap of thinking, if I can convince them of this moral view, I'll make them a Christian. But I love what you said there. I think, I think it's Ravi Zacharias who says he, he sought to answer the questioner, not just the question. That's so you're brilliant. recognizing the the person who's bringing the the objection or the question, and that's ultimately yeah. people want you to engage with them, not just their questions. That's really helpful. And I think just by loving people, you know, people that they hate God because so somebody's got objections. I'm like, do you know what? That sounds really painful. You know, I'm really happy to talk about that, and I'm. I don't have the answer. You know, just actually just listening and caring about people's pain and their the hatred of God mm. rather than getting defensive can be a great mm. thing to do and a loving thing to do. Mm. Really helpful. Um, Kieran, we're covering a lot of ground here. It's really helpful. Here's the final question yeah. then that uh, we'll kind of love to get your comment on. How do you help people um, break through crippling mm. fear? Just generally, or to do with evangelism, you mean? Uh, let's let's say generally, um, because I don't think it's necessarily so distinct from evangelism. But I'd be interested to hear you. Is that... Well, um, I, I don't know if you know this, Jez, but uh, I, I'm actually quite an anxious person. I, I've had fears of heights, spiders, you know, <laughs> and on the list goes. Um, so I feel I can um, I can speak from a little sort of my own kind of experience um 
you and I know, and if you've been a Christian a little while, you might have heard a verse that says that God, God's perfect love casts out fear. And um, for me, it's the, the verses where Paul says, you know, don't be anxious about anything. You know, but with prayer and petition, present your request to God. And it says, and, and something remarkable will happen. And the peace of God that goes beyond our understanding will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So, you know, that sense of saying, God, you know, I'm, I'm really anxious about it. So our neighbours, you know, we've got a sort of adjoining roof thing going on. They've got builders in. We're trying to work. Sarah, my wife, said to me this is Saturday morning. We need, need to talk to the builders because they want to do some things. I'm not sure that's the right thing. Well, immediately, because I'm not particularly competent in that sort of thing, there's like a wave of anxiety that comes into me, if I'm honest, Jess. And I just had to pause and stop and say, do you know what? Actually, I do believe that, that God, I'm presenting this to you. Um, you know, I'm believing that your peace can go beyond my understanding and my lack of ability to handle some of these things. Um, but I think the key thing, and even in that passage that we often quote and we see it on, you know, Bible verse stickers and all sorts, is the verse before says this, the Lord is near. And I've realised actually God's near me and he's really interested in those moments of anxiety and fear and and I've simply found by saying, God, you know how I feel. Be honest. I feel really, you know, I've got to be honest, Jez. You know, I said this to, to my guys and my teams. You know, administration makes me anxious. I'm not that good. I, I can do it. But, yeah, you know, and I think it's just being honest and acknowledging, God, you, you know me and you know that this isn't easy for me. And the same then when it applies to evangelism. A number of uh, what was it, a few years ago now, I, I was working for Alpha International and I was I was on my way to a business meeting. I was talking to a guy who owns a massive chain of hotels, McDonald Hotels, and he's a Christian and he wanted um, all his staff to be invited to an Alpha course in each one of his hotels, uh, which is a remarkable opportunity. We, I was involved in that project. Um, and I was on the way to a meeting. I was on the train. And um, on this train, I I looked over and I saw at the time a very famous TV celebrity, probably not so famous now, but there was a couple that used to do house makeover, a, a house makeover program called Colin and Justin. Do you remember them? Sorry, no, exactly. I, anyway, Scottish two Scottish guys uh, in same sex relationship, you know, uh, lovely. It seemed like lovely blokes. Well, one of these guys was on the train, and I looked over and I saw him. And I just kind of felt that little kind of prompt inside, which was, you need to go and talk to him. And I'm like, oh, crikey. I'm like, are you serious, God? And anyway, I thought, right, I got up to get off the trains. It was my stop. It's a place called Polmont. Nobody ever gets off there. But that's where the hotel was, you know, getting off at Polmont. He gets up. I think, okay, God, I'm taking this as a sign. So he came to the door and I just sort of smiled. I didn't want to do that horrible kind of like, oh, no, you're famous, aren't you? You've been on television. You know, it must be so annoying if you're famous. So I, I, I you know, I just smiled, said hi. We're getting off the train. I said, God, nobody gets off at Polmont, do they? And he goes, no, it's like the back of beyond. I said, I know. I said, what are you doing? He goes, well, I'm going to look at a car. I said, oh, that's interesting. What are you buying a car? So anyway, he's talking about the car he's going to buy. And I just wanted to chat. So we're chatting about the car and stuff like that. He said, what about you? Well, I said, well, I'm going to a meeting. I'm, I'm actually meeting this businessman, explained what it was. And uh, we're talking about something called the Alpha course. You heard of it? I explained what Alpha was a little bit. I said, look, and I had a little Alpha business card, you know, a little Alpha advert that, you, you know, you could give out to people. And I said, look, you might, yeah, you might want to look at it at some point and gave him the card. And he goes, oh, thanks very much. So it was really nice to chat and moved on. There was no, there was, it was just a normal conversation. Okay. But I needed to conquer my fear. Um, lots of people listening to this would be really prophetic, Jez. And they'd have moments where they said, I feel God said this. I feel God said that. And, you know, and that's really, I've got to be honest. I know God speaks to me through the Bible. The way I sometimes feel is just a little nudge from God. 
very, very rare that I feel almost like some audible message comes about, an audible, inaudible message. And I don't think I've ever said this publicly. But as I walked away from that, it was like God whispered into my heart. He said, I knew you'd do that. Kind of a well done. And he said, I knew I could rely on you to do that. Honestly, it makes me want to weep because I hear God so rarely. He said, I knew you'd do that. I knew I could send you. And um, and please, I'm not trying to big myself up, mate. Uh, the funny thing is that um, I was uh, I was on, I was flying down uh, actually to, to something that J. John was saying. So I was flying from Glasgow Airport with a good friend of mine, Nick Cox, who uh, was a professional rugby player, uh, played for. Uh, in the in the in the Premier League, and then played for a Scottish club. But he was also training as a Anglican Episcopal minister. So we were flying down together. We're sitting at Glasgow Airport, and uh, we're waiting for our flight. Sorry, no Heathrow Airport. We're waiting for our flight. And I said to him about meeting this TV celebrity guy. I said, you know, I, I told him the story. I didn't tell him the bit I just said, but I told him I never going to guess who I met on the train. So told him the story. He goes, that's really weird. Because myself and my wife, we were invited to X Factor Live and we were on the front row and who was sitting next to us but Colin and Justin. So there's my mate who's a, who became a Christian on Alpha. Like he was just like a godless rugby player, became a believer. He's, he's now actually a Baptist minister in Scotland. Um, you know, he's sitting next to this couple they're asking about their lives. He's just got this opportunity, maybe to take over that bridge just a little nugget. Okay, no way. Well, we stand up, Jez, because I prayed for this guy. I pray for him. We stood up to get on the plane. Who's standing in front of us but Colin and Justin? Wow. Now, come on. This isn't, this isn't about me. It's not about my mate Nick. It's about this amazing saviour we have, Jesus, who just loves to save people. Mm. And yeah, and there was another time. Okay, I'm coming out of work, Alpha Alpha's offices in Scotland. I I, I cycle. I was on my bike. I was at traffic lights in uh, Bath Street in Glasgow. Giant Range Rover pulls up next to me. The window goes down, and it's this guy. So I'm worried. I think he's stalking me. <laughs> the, to end that story, somebody said to me, um, there's, a, there's an amazing Church of Scotland church in, you know, in Scotland. Uh, people there love Jesus and know Jesus. Somebody said to me, do you know what? His mum is a faithful Christian and loves Jesus. Now, I, I don't know, Jez, but something tells me that his mum's praying big prayers for him mm. because any mum would, wouldn't they? Mm. And then I'm on a train and you just feel that, that nudge. Mm. And my, you know, sorry, that's a long way to end. And, you know, you probably wanted a shorter, shorter thing, but you know what I'd say, if you, if you're listening to this today, do you know what? You could be the answer to somebody's prayers. And I found time and time again, in my fearful, stumbling way, I've been the answer to people's prayers. Some I've known about and some I haven't. So, Wow. Kieran, that's beautiful. And, and also it's a, a wonderful reminder of the fact that everyone we meet may well, in fact, have some mum or some dad or some, some grandma somewhere oh. praying for them. And so yeah. the people that we bump, bump, cross paths with, bump into, they are persons that God cares passionately about and is, is looking to you and me to be a little part of the link in the chain of him. Isn't it amazing? Yeah, it is remarkable. Um, I guess we won't know till we get to heaven. And these people come up and say, you were the guy who was kind to me. You were the guy who stopped when I was homeless and said, you know what? You know, here's here's a cup of coffee. And, you know, look, I'm not going to preach to you, but I'm a Christian. 
And I hope you don't mind. What's your name? You know, as I go on my way now, is it okay if I pray for you? You were the guy who did that. You were the girl who was in the office and when everybody else was bitching, you'd always be really kind about other people. Mm. And I noticed on your on your desk you had a Bible. You never really talked much about it. But I thought, wow, that person was, you know, you're the you're the guy, you're the girl. I, I'm I'm the girl. No, I'm the guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kieran, so good, so encouraging, and so just down to earth as well. Thank you so much for your time today. It's been very rich and uh, I'm sure will be a huge help to many. So God bless you. What a truly encouraging man Kieran is. Someone whose authenticity is genuinely such an attractive invitation to others to discover the truth of the gospel. I don't know about you, but I found that conversation got richer and richer as it went on. We could have spoken for a lot longer together, I'm sure. Well, next time on the podcast, I took the opportunity to sit down with a good friend of mine, Andrew Bunt, to discuss the subject of transgenderism and to learn from him how we can better love and listen to people whose life experiences may be very different from our own. Here's a clip from that conversation. And that whole thing is based on something called internal identity. Is the idea that who you really are is what you feel inside or desires your feelings. And so the question we need to ask is, is that a good way of finding identity? Is it good to reject external stuff, reject the body, reject community and listen to the inside? I'm just not sure it is. I'm looking forward to bringing that conversation to you. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll be kept in the loop and in the know of when every episode comes out. And also remember that you can get in touch with me about anything at all by emailing podcast at newgroundchurches.org. Until then, stay well and keep pursuing intimacy with Jesus in the middle of a time of uncertainty and confusion. God bless and I look forward to being back together again soon. Bye.